Hey everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemi.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during the season. And now, a special message by Pastor Mark Croston. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarsus in the first place. Listen to this. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Amen. We're wrapping up this series on I Hate This City with this thought, celebrate, celebrate. Give a big shout as you take your seat and celebrate today. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful love, for your matchless grace, and for your kindness toward each and every one of us. Thank you for the gift of life and for this day and for bringing us to this place. But most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his death on Calvary's cross, for his blood that was shed, and for the difference it makes in our lives. Now, God, we pray that you would open up your word Speak to us at the point of our greatest need and make us better for having come here today. And we thank you for the privilege in Jesus' name and all who know him said amen. 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 This has been an awesome series, this idea of I hate this city. And we're going to wrap it up today with this whole idea about celebration. And I just want to say there is nothing like a good celebration. I mean, all we need is just an excuse to have a party. Isn't that right? We celebrate our successes. When we celebrate, we do it to memorialize an experience, to express our appreciation, or sometimes to lavish love on somebody. And so we'll celebrate a new job. Hey, that's great. We'll celebrate a new house, a new year, a new marriage, or how about a new birth? Or how about a spiritual birthday? I thought about that as I thought about this issue of celebration. And uh, on the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, I really wasn't expecting to do it. I was sitting in the back of the church and uh, the preacher was up here preaching his heart out. Uh, I've been in church all my life, and so uh, forgive me, but I just happened to be asleep on that particular day while the preacher was preaching. And, and what I felt was I felt something hit my leg, and I woke up out of my sleep, and I saw my sister walking down the aisle. And so in my half-sleep state, I got up out of my seat, and I just started to follow her. And I was halfway down the aisle when I realized what was going on. She was giving her life to Jesus Christ. And I was so scared. I said, I'm not going back now. Everybody's already seen me go halfway. So I just came all the way up and gave my heart to him too. Well, after the baptism, you know, uh, friends and family came over to the house. 
My mom set out a big feast and there was music, laughter, and conversation everywhere. It was a grand celebration. Well, I think that's what chapter four is really all about when you peel back some of the layers. It's a reminder for us to celebrate what God is doing. And so here's what I see as we approach chapter four. The first is we have to celebrate God's greatness. Here in the book of Jonah, God has done some amazing things. Remember back in chapter one, God called Nineveh that great city, but never forget that great city had a great God. And go back if you haven't listened already to the previous sermons, especially Pastor Omar in sermon number one, where he talked about all the problems that Nineveh had and how fearful the people were because of the way Nineveh was. In chapter three, the people in Nineveh get saved. And in chapter four, something we weren't expecting begins to happen. Jonah gets mad at all of these things. So let me just suggest a few things here. One is that uh, we serve a great God and our great God is able to save anybody. Touch your neighbor and tell him he can save anybody. In the Star Wars movie saga, uh, I learned to hate Darth Vader in the first three movies, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and then The Return of the Jedi. I learned to hate Darth Vader. So if you're familiar with Star Wars, Darth Vader represented the dark side, and he was always trying to get Luke Skywalker to give his life to the dark side. Well, we had learned to hate him because of all of his evil deeds in those first three movies. But by the time we get to the end of of, uh, the third movie, something begins to happen. Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker are at each other and, uh, and, and the evil emperor is watching this thing go on and, and at the end, the evil emperor jumps in and he's trying now to kill da- uh, Luke Skywalker with all of his power and Darth Vader does something we were not expecting to happen. It's the light comes on in Darth Vader's life and Darth Vader saves Luke Skywalker and kills the evil emperor. We were not expecting that to happen at all. And and what it reminds me of when it comes to the gospel is, is it reminds me that God can save anybody. God can save our children. God can save our parents. God can save our spouses. God can save our employers. We know some of them need salvation. God can save our politicians. God can save our friends. God can even save our enemies. Hmm. So how would you feel? If the drunk driver that killed your son got saved, how would you feel if the person who molested your daughter got saved? Or how would you feel if the person who cheated on you got saved? Or if your boss who fired you got saved? 
or the con man that stole your money got saved or your worst neighbor got saved. See, that's what Jonah's facing. He's facing one of these kind of critical times where he was just not feeling this whole thing about Nineveh during the whole book. I mean, God told him to go and preach to Nineveh. He did not want to go. He, and he went uh, reluctantly. Huh? God sent him on a special mission. He got there. He preached. They got saved. But he said, and even though they got saved, he said, I am just not feeling this thing. And by the time we get here to chapter four, verse number two, Jonah says this. He says, that's why I fled to Tarsus in the first place. I knew you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Obviously, Jonah had spent some time in small group because he knew all about God. And so God did something Jonah was not expecting and sometimes we are not expecting and, and, and it was a reminder to him and to us that God can save anybody. And so don't hold back the wonderful message of the gospel because God can save anybody. Not only that, but God wants to save everybody. Huh? You heard him. He said, you are gracious, compassionate, patient, loving, and, and, and not wanting to destroy people. God, God is not in the destruction business right now. I said right now. Later on, maybe that's something different. Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine says, the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but listen to this, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so God's purpose is for him, he wants to save everybody. He, he doesn't just want to save your friends. He wants to save are the people who dance on your last nerve. He wants to save the person who took your parking space when they weren't supposed to in the parking lot. You know, he wants to save all the people that you got mad at over the course of this past year. He wants all of them to get saved. And the truth is, you should too. Touch your neighbor and say, you should too. Romans chapter 10 and verse number one says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer concerning God for them is what is for their salvation. And so don't get angry. God is good. That's just who he is. It says in verse number three, uh, Jonah talking, he says, now, Lord, he said, he said, if you went and saved all of these enemies of mine, just take my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? So is it ever right for us to be angry over the fact that God is so wonderful and so good? You know, we celebrate the fact that God is good, but if we celebrate the fact that God is good, God can't just be good to us. If God is truly good, God has to be good to everybody. 
And so, uh, you know, Jonah wasn't the first person who, uh, you know, caught an attitude like this. Um, in uh, Luke chapter 15, there's a story of a father with two sons. The one son said, hey, dad, he said, uh, I would like my inheritance before you die. And so the dad wrote out a big check. He went and the Bible says he squandered it on riotous living. And, and then eventually, penniless, he comes back home and the dad throws a party for him. Well, the older brother in that set of brothers was ticked off in Luke 15. He's, you know, the dad's throwing this big party and, and the older brother just doesn't understand this at all. And in verse number 28 in Luke 15, he says, it says, then he became angry and did not go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. And he said, look, he said, I just don't think that my brother, who is now in this case my enemy, ought to be saved. Don't be surprised. God is good. You know, we love to say that, right? God is good. And people say all the time and all the time, God is good. Well, you got you to gotta mean it, not just say it. Huh? God is so good. And, and he's so full of blessings that his blessings have a way of spilling out everywhere. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says that his sun shines on the just and the unjust, the good people and the bad people. And his rain falls on the good people and the bad people. What does that say? It says that God is so wonderful that his blessings just flow out from him and they have a tendency to fall on everybody. And every now and then you'll see somebody who you know doesn't love the Lord and they don't come to Christ Fellowship Church and they're not in small group and yet they are being blessed by Almighty God. They're living uh, and good things are happening in their life. And you're saying, why is that the case? Well, that's just because God is so good and his blessings fall all over the place. They say, well, maybe I, I don't need to be walking with God if God's blessings fall all over the place. Oh, yes, you do. Because when the blessings fall on you and you're not walking with him, they simply fall on you by accident. Yeah. Huh? So this is one thing I learned. What I learned is that when somebody is being blessed, rather than drinking the haterade, <laughs> I just like to get close to them so that some of the dew drops of the blessings fall on me. God wasn't intending to bless me, but since I was close to somebody he was blessing, some of them are going to spill out in your direction. I like that about him. So, so just understand this, that God has what I would like to call shotgun blessings and sharpshooter blessings. huh? A shotgun, if you've ever been hunting, you know you don't even have to aim hardly in order to hit something with a shotgun. But, but then there's a sharpshooter, and the sharpshooter can pick you out of, you could be standing in the middle of the crowd, and the sharpshooter can pick you out of all the people in the crowd. And that is a reminder that God has some blessings that solely have your name on it that nobody else can have except you. So it's just the fact that he is good. So celebrate his greatness. He is just great that way. But second, celebrate your part in God's plan. So it says in chapter four, verse five and following, uh, Jonah left the city 
And Jonah sat down under a shade tree. And then it says in verse number six, and the Lord, underline this words, it shows up a few times, appointed a plant. And it says the plant grew up around Jonah and provided shade for him. And Jonah said, man, this is awesome, this plant. Verse number seven, it says, uh, when the dawn came the next day, listen to this, God appointed, there's that word again, appointed a worm, and the worm attacked the plant that was given Jonah shade. And so, verse number eight, it says, and, and then he, uh, the, as the sun was rising, God appointed, there it is again, a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, here's the point that, that Jonah wasn't understanding his part in God's great plan. God appointed, we saw earlier in chapter one, a great fish. He appoints here a plant, a worm, and a wind. And the truth is God has also appointed you. Don't ever be so self-absorbed into your own life that you can't see the bigger picture of what God is trying to accomplish. There are things going on in your life that you think might just be coincidences or do you think just might be some things that you've kind of worked out. But the truth is we're all living and working under God's divine appointment. That God really does have a plan for every one of our lives. I can remember as a boy hearing people talk to me from the four spiritual laws. And the first part of that says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. And, and I couldn't see that God had a plan for my life. But now as I have lived my life and I look back on my life and I can see the ways that God has guided and directed my steps and my life, I affirm, yes, God really did have a plan for my life, and God does today still have a wonderful plan for my life. So it's, it now it's not just a fancy phrase in a book anymore. I have seen God working out his wonderful plan through my life, and I'm not the only person that God has a plan for. God has a plan for everything. Every single one of us. God didn't call you from darkness into his marvelous light for no reason. He called you because God has something that he wants to accomplish through your life. And the reason why, like the old saints used to say, the blood is still running warm in your veins is because God still has some work for you to do today. Jeremiah says, I know the plans, hear that word that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to do you good and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so why is God going to use you? Huh? He, he, he's not just using me, he's also using you. Touch your neighbor and say, listen now, because he's using you. And it's because there are lost people everywhere. I don't know if this is news to anybody, but there are lost people everywhere. There is no shortage 
of lost people around you. 70% of Floridians did not go to church last year at all. Huh? So that's an indication that there might be a number of people on the street where you live, on the job where you work, on the family where you're related, on the plane that you fly in, you hear what I'm saying, in the restaurant where you eat, and every place else you go, there are people who need to know him. And as a part of God's plan, God put you right where you are because you are uniquely situated in order to reach some people who are around you with the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since we are appointed to regain hope, arise, tell and serve, right? You ought to expect God to do something, huh? So this is not just uh, something to take up our time. This is not just something to get us all talking about the same thing and, and doing the same thing for a little while. Yesterday's events, uh, today's events were of service were, were not just in order to put uh, Christ Fellowship's name on the map. Uh, you ought to expect God to do something. huh? Yeah. Joshua walked around the wall of Jericho and the Bible says the walls fell. Daniel prayed and the Bible says the lions were full. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up, and the Bible said the, fi- the temperature of the fiery furnace cooled down. Yeah. And so when you start acting for God, you ought to expect God to show up, and you ought to expect God to do something. And, and what I would love to see one day on the Miami newspaper would be uh, the, the, the headline to say, Christ Fellowship Cared and Miami Changed. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Listen to this. Celebrate and care for the city. Look at verse number uh, 10. It says, so the Lord said, talking to Jonah, Jonah's complaining, He said, you cared for the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh? Or for you, may I not care about the great city of Miami? It says here, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish their right from their left. And, and Miami has more than that, almost 3, 000, 3 million people. Can't God care? And God wants to care, and he wants to care for the city through you. So how do we celebrate? We celebrate by caring for that which God has put in our purview. So, so here are three things you can do on a regular basis to care for the city. One, Don't be like Jonah and don't just complain. 
I mean, there are always things we could talk about and always things we could complain about. And all you got to do is turn on the bad news and you can hear all kinds of things to complain about. But don't be like everybody else who just sits on the sideline and complains about what's going on, number one. Number two, you should pray. Pray about specific concerns. Pray because God answers prayer. Pray because God will move when we pray. The Bible says that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And so pray, my friends, pray. Third thing you can do, is whatever you can do to save some. Do what you can do to save some. And so everybody can't save everybody, huh? It's a story, familiar story. You probably heard it about a little boy who was on the seashore and there was a storm that had come and and millions of starfish had been swept to the shore. And the little boy went down the seashore and grabbed a starfish and threw it in and grabbed another starfish and threw it in. He grabbed another starfish and threw it back in. Old man was watching the little boy as the little boy walked along the seashore, picking up a starfish and throwing it in the water. He said, son, what are you doing? He says, you can't save all these starfish. The little boy, upon hearing that, reached down, picked up another starfish and threw it back in the sea. He said, but I can save that one. Huh? So, so no, you yourself will not make an impact in everybody's life, but you can save some. First yeah, Corinthians chapter nine and verse number 22 says, for the apostle Paul talking, he said to the weak, he said, I became weak in order to save the weak. He says this, he says, I have become all things to all people so that I, by every possible means, might save some. And so everybody may not respond to you, and everybody may not respond to your message, and everybody may not respond to your act of love, and everybody may not respond to your act of caring, and everybody may not respond to your prayer, but you will save some. You will save those that God has appointed for you to meet and to greet and to call into his kingdom. And the truth is, you don't know who they are. You don't know where they are. So don't you ever count anybody out. You keep on telling. You keep on praying. You keep on caring and save some. Here's what I know. The more you care the more there will be to celebrate. Hmm? Psalm 126 and 6 says this. He says, he who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home, how? With shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, we don't have sheaves, we don't use sheaves, and we probably, most of us, don't even know what the sheaves are. But what this verse is telling us, if, if we will go out and, sh- and, and sow the message of the gospel with joy, leave it there and allow God to do his work, 
He said, we will come back with shouts of joy, bringing those that God has saved along with him. We can't save anybody. Touch your neighbor and say, you can't save anybody. And you couldn't even save yourself. But here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, one person plants, another person waters, and God gives the increase. Huh? And so you might say, well, you know, I've been talking to so-and-so, and I've been talking, I've been sharing, I've been sharing, and I don't see anything happening. That's because you can't save anybody. But one person plants, and another person waters, and God gives the increase. And so don't, don't see salvation, don't see this message of salvation as a simple click of the switch, you know. I told them the message of salvation, they click the switch, and all of a sudden they're in, they're on, and everything is great. No, think about it like this, that a person who has never heard the message of the gospel is at letter A, that salvation is, the salvation decision is at letter Z. And so your part in their life might simply be to move them from A to B, huh? Or you might be moving them from M to N or from Q to P. You hear what I'm saying? And so, uh, uh, P to Q. Uh, Of course, some of us can move them from Q to P. That was a God thing right there. (laughs) And so a lot of times we get frustrated because we feel like I'm doing this, but I'm not seeing the results. And the results may never show up in your presence because your job was not to move them to Z. Your job was simply to move them one letter down in the alphabet so that one day at the right place and at the right time, the right person will be used by God to move them through X, Y, and Z, the salvation experience. So don't ever get frustrated Don't ever feel like it's not working. Don't ever feel like I'm useless. Don't ever feel like, well, that's somebody else's gift, but it's not mine, that maybe God is using somebody else, but he's not using me. Trust me, God is using what you put into this process to move somebody along. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so I just relax and I recognize that I can't save anybody. I can tell everybody, but I can't save anybody. But God is able to do that which I can't do. One man plants, another man waters, but thanks be to God, if we're faithful in planting and watering, God gives the increase. And maybe you don't realize what happens in heaven when you do that. So I don't know what your view of heaven is. You know, people walking around in white robes, playing on harps and all that kind of stuff. Ah, no. Say you wear white robe all the time, you can't eat barbecue. (laughs) Am I right? You know? 
My son asked me one day, said, Dad, what kind of food is going to be in heaven? I thought about it a while. I said, son, all your favorites, because it wouldn't be heaven if they weren't there. So, so just understand that heaven is not like that. Heaven is exciting. Huh? The old song says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Listen to this. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. So whatever the most exciting experience is we have in this life yeah. is only a foretaste of what we will experience in heaven. If heaven was boring like that, we wouldn't want to be there 10,000 years. But heaven is exciting. It's a wonderful experience. And the Bible tells us this in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 7, that there's parties going on in heaven. You say, I thought I had to do all my partying down here. Oh, no, you better get ready for the party in heaven. Luke 15 and 7 says, I tell you the same way there is, listen to this, joy in heaven. What causes people to turn on the party in heaven over one sinner who repents more than 99 people who are righteous and come to church every Sunday? And so coming to church every Sunday doesn't get heaven as excited as heaven gets when one person gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ by faith. Let's start the party in heaven. See, we try to make it so complicated. And we put this pressure on us to make us feel like if we don't get them to the end, we haven't done anything. But your job is simple. It is just telling them the simple A, B, C. Admit your life is not perfect. Huh? You know you've been trying to make it. You've been trying to do stuff. Just admit your life is not perfect. B, believe. What can I do since my life is not perfect? You can believe that there's somebody who can help you. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will forgive all your failures and he'll make you whole. And then tell him, see, commit. Commit to him. Commit your heart, commit your life, commit your future, commit your way to him. And the Bible says he will give you abundant life here and eternal life there. Huh? It's as simple as A, B, C. You can do that. I may not be able to preach like Pastor Omar. I may not be able to sing like the praise team. But I know my ABCs. And I can tell anybody, you need to admit, you need to believe, you need to make a commitment. The truth is, there might be somebody here today that needs to make that same commitment in their life. Maybe you've been hearing the message of the gospel over and over and over again, and maybe it's pushed you to that final place where you're really 
you know in your heart you're ready and you need to make a faith decision for Jesus Christ and you don't know what that is that's bothering you on the inside that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today and telling you today that now is the time and today is the day for you to make your faith decision so if you've never made a faith decision for Jesus Christ before and today you sense the Spirit of God speaking to your life. You're ready to admit that your life is not perfect. Believe that Jesus Christ's death on Calvary's cross can make a difference in your life. And make a commitment to Him. God will come into your heart. And He will give you today forgiveness of all your sins. And eternal life for all your future. It's just that simple we're going to pray while I'm praying if you need to make a faith decision for Jesus Christ I want you just to slip up your hand when I tell you to do that today let's bow our heads father now we thank you in Jesus name we thank you for the people that you have already saved and for the difference that you're already making now God we pray that you would help us to be faithful in sharing the message of your gospel, A, B, and C. And God, if there's somebody here today that has never given their heart and life to you before, but today they sense the need to go ahead and admit that their life is not perfect, to believe in the name of Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary's cross so that their sins can be forgiven, and then make a commitment to you so that you can begin right now to give them abundant life and eternal life. God, we just pray that they would make this response today. So friend, if that's your choice while our heads are bowed right now, I would just want you to lift up your hand. You have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life before, but today you sense the Spirit of God speaking to your heart and speaking to your life. Just lift up that hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. God, thank you for these who have made that commitment before you today. We pray that they will solidify that before they leave this place. We thank you and praise you in the powerful name of your son, our sovereign, Jesus Christ. And all who know him said amen. Friend, I want you to know one thing. We've got some great things to celebrate. And that's why I love God and I love you, Christ Fellowship. If you'd like to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.